great to have the opportunity to uh, be opening this part of God's Word in the next uh, part for our series um, on Luke's Gospel. And uh, yeah, we're going to be focusing on Mary today. Uh, before we do that, uh, I thought I'd show you something. You might have seen it before, but I do it right in this very spot every Friday with the kids at Oran Park Anglican College. And basically, it's something a tool I have to help understand what the big story of the Bible is. Uh, you might say, uh, I've read a little bit of the Bible. Uh, when I started reading the Bible, I used to enjoy the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, and everything else was just a bit dark. It was like a big house that had lots of rooms in it, and I had a couple of rooms that I was very comfortable going into, and the rest were a bit scary. And then I reached out a little bit further and I got to the book of James and James was cool and I enjoyed reading James and then I went back to my favourite rooms that I really enjoyed. And uh, somebody challenged me, I should actually start reading the whole Bible. And if you do that, you often find yourself in rooms that are a little bit unfamiliar and what, is, that, is that a piece of furniture? Is that an appliance? Like you just don't know exactly what's going on. So what I tried to do for the kids at Oran Park and we'll use it here as well, is to give a bit of an overview of the Old and New Testaments, what the big story of the Bible is. And so the story looks like this, uh, the Old Testament and then the New Testament. And it's got pictures because I'm a visual person. If you're an auditory person, just close your ears, uh, close your ears, close your eyes and, uh, and listen to me. I'm very happy for you to do that. Uh, but if you're a visual person, this might help you uh, understand what the story is. Basically, the setup of the Bible is the Old Testament is preparing us for the New Testament. It's been said that the old is the new concealed and the new is the old revealed. The old is the new concealed and the new is the old revealed. In other words, the Old Testament sets us up so we can understand what's going in. And that's, that's so with uh, what we're looking at today. So here's the story very quickly. God creates the world, makes it perfect and puts us in relationship with each other and with him without sin. Uh, you know that's not how it is today. We mess it up, we ruin it by sinning, by choosing our own way. God makes a covenant with Noah after he's wiped the world out of sinful people. He makes a covenant with Noah and puts a sign in the sky to say he'll never destroy the world with, with water again. Covenant is a promise. God makes another one with a guy called Abraham. And Abraham, he says, I'll make your name great. I'll give you a land and you will be a blessing to all nations. Now, if you're reading the Bible, you're now listening with that promise ringing in your ears. How will God do that promise. So God starts building a people, uh, but they end up as slaves in, uh, in Egypt. And we did a series on this before, and you've heard how God saved his people through Moses. He then taught them how to live at Mount Sinai. He gave them Ten Commandments and a whole bunch of stuff about the temple. And Matthew did a brilliant job of showing us what that tent looked like uh, that he gave for the people to, uh, to worship. Uh, they're a bit slow, these guys. They, they didn't really listen to God, and they doubted him. And their sin led them to 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Eventually, though, God did bring them to the promised land, the land that he promised to Abraham all those years before. And under Joshua, they took the promised land. In the promised land, eventually, through a whole lot of bits and pieces that you can read, eventually God gives them kings. And he starts with Saul, and then he gives them the king that they really needed, uh, called King David. And David rules as God's king in Israel. Now, did you hear David mentioned before? He's one of those pinnacle people in the Old Testament. And uh, King David will come back in the story that we're looking at today. And 2 Samuel says God made a promise to David that one of his descendants would rule on his throne forever. Now, that's a pretty awesome promise if you're David. And it meant that the people of Israel was 
looking out, where's the son of David who will rule forever? Uh, The people didn't stay under good kings forever uh, because that's kind of the, the nature of Israel and probably us without God's help. And they turned away and Israel's sin saw them lose the promised land. They were taken away in exile. Eventually, though, God uh, saw their repentance and brought them home. But coming home made the people long for the king that God had promised. And that's the end of the story. The Old Testament story. We then get to the New Testament and we start the New Testament expectantly looking for the king, the promised king, who will be uh, the fulfilment of the prophecies of the Old Testament. So that's where we pick up our reading today. Uh, in Luke. So if you can have that open, um, I can't remember what page Matthew told you it was on, but we're in Luke chapter 1. So what was it? 1025. So Luke chapter 1, and it'd be great if you can have that open. And it says in, uh, in verse 28, so verse 26, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, we saw about Elizabeth last week, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee. And you go, okay, well, where's all this happening? So here's a map of the world. That's helpful. Uh, We are in Israel, uh, which is this little uh, red rectangle uh, down here. Uh, In Israel, let's zoom in a little bit more. Uh, This is a map of Israel. And Elizabeth, the story that Matthew brought us last week, all of that stuff happened uh, with Zechariah and, and Elizabeth in Jerusalem, where the temple is. Now we're going somewhere else, to a place called Galilee, which is much further away. Um, Yeah, much further away up north there. And uh, to make it a little bit more obvious, uh, Jerusalem's the place where the temple is. It's the place you would expect to meet God. And remember, Matthew told us really helpfully last week, Zechariah was in the temple and he's offering his sacrifice, his very special sacrifice, and there's an an angel of the Lord who speaks to him. Now that makes sense. But now we've left Jerusalem behind and we've gone up to Galilee, which is a little bit like Tasmania. Uh, that's Cradle Mountain if you can't see it. Um, it's, uh, it's a lovely place, but it's not the centre of anything. And everybody makes fun of it. That's exactly right. In fact, it says in one of the Gospels, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Yeah? It's a backwater And that's the setting for this second appearance of an angel. It's extraordinary. It makes sense that the living God sends an angel to speak to someone in the temple in Jerusalem because that's the centre of where he'll live. But we're in the backwaters and now an angel has appeared to this girl, Mary. This girl, Mary. And when we think about Mary, there's a whole bunch of different ways that we can think about Mary. Um, I did not know, because I'm probably a little bit backwards in these things, but the colour of Mary, that Mary's wearing has all these symbolic references. So uh, apparently red is for divinity and blue is for humanity and then white is for purity. Anyway, I didn't know all this was happening in pictures of Mary, but here we are. That's often how we'll think about Mary. And if you watch the Bible on TV recently, did anyone see the Bible series that was on? Um, Mary looked like this. She was very white and Anglo-Saxon of her in the middle of first century Palestine. Anyway, it's, uh, she looked beautiful, though, so that's good, isn't it? So when it, when it comes to Mary, I think we often have just a raft of different things happening and different portrayals of what she looks like. I want to do something a little bit challenging this morning, and I want us to see 
what, what can we learn about her here and how might that affect us? I think the first thing to think about was she was a young girl in first century Palestine. And that's not a photo of Mary, okay, so we're all clear. But it's probably a more realistic take on what she might have looked like than you might otherwise be familiar with. Uh, Now, that's not necessarily a Jewish head covering, but a head would have been covered. Um, She's probably a lot younger than you think. You might have thought that she had a teen pregnancy or something like that, but the reality is to be betrothed at that point probably meant that she was about 13 or 14. I don't know if that messes with your brain. If you already knew that, well done. But she was young. She was young. So what do we learn about Mary? What do we learn about Mary? Uh, There's a movie, I think, that's called There's Something About Mary. We're going to learn some things uh, about Mary. So I want to have a look. What I I did, uh, we've got the passage open in front of us, if you've got this bit of the Bible open, and I just thought, what do we learn about her life and location, her faith and faithfulness, about her pregnancy and about her response? And all I want us to do is just notice some of the things that we're told about Mary under these categories. All right? So let's, um, let's have a look at the first one. Well, life and location. She lives in Nazareth. The, the first thing to notice about that is uh, it's extremely unlikely that anyone would notice a 13-year-old girl in Nazareth. Nobody's paying any attention She's off the radar. She's off the map. She's in the back country somewhere, right? Who on earth would be concerned about a 13-year-old girl in Nazareth? It's just really important to notice that. We're so familiar with the story that we think, oh, yeah, of course. Of course God would choose her. It's extremely unusual. It's extremely unusual. And it tells me some things about God, I think, which we're going to see soon. Um, She's a virgin, uh, she's pledged in marriage, which is probably an arranged marriage, is the guess, um, that her parents had set her up. Um, she's uh, pledged in marriage to this bloke called Joseph, um, who has one of the largest surprises in history coming his way. Um, and she's called Mary. Uh, it's very interesting. No one really knows uh, the background of the, uh, the name Mary, um, but uh, it's possibly related to um, the name Mara, uh, which means bitter, and that name turns up in the story of Ruth and Ruth and Naomi are the ones who end up being involved in God's story to lead to the line of David being born. That's pretty cool. Anyway, little bonus prize. Her name is Mary. What about her faith and faithfulness? Well, she spoke with an angel. That doesn't happen to everyone in the Bible. In fact, Matthew very helpfully told us the other week that the normal thing for God's people is to just wait faithfully. That's the normal state. It's not seeing angels. It's not having extraordinary things happen all the time. But this girl had something extraordinary happen. She met an angel, which I think is pretty amazing. And the angel said to her, you are highly favoured. I'm ready to receive that word, Lord, anytime you want to tell me that I'm... It's it's pretty amazing. He said, you are highly favoured. I think by being chosen, rather than necessarily that you're the most extraordinary woman in all of Israel, I think it's you're highly favoured because God has chosen to use you. It says that God is with her. That's wonderful, isn't it? 
God is with her. And I think it's because God's with her that God was able to notice her. Uh, And it just reminds us, God's eyes are on the world and he sees those who are faithful. She's called blessed among women. That's what Elizabeth says to her. And she's called blessed by Elizabeth. And she's called the mother of Elizabeth's Lord. Did you see that? Um, What verse is that? Uh, It's in here somewhere. Sorry, verse 43, is it? Is that right? Yeah, but why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? Now, just stop for a second, listen. Elizabeth has a miraculous pregnancy. She meets her relative. We're actually not told what kind of relative. That's very interesting to me. I don't know what relative she is. Uh, But her relative. And she says, but why am I so favoured that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I won't get Janine to stand up at the moment, but what's happened is a young pregnant woman has walked into the house and this woman is blown away. She says, the mother of my Lord has come. What can she see about the child at this point? It was before ultrasounds. What, what, what can she see about the child at this point? Okay, you, you, can, you can join in. Nothing. She can't know anything at all other than what God's revealed. And yet she looks at this woman and says, the mother of my Lord has come. Then we go, oh yeah, it's about Jesus. Boring. But here's the thing, Jesus hasn't been born yet, right? And she's recognising that this child will grow up to be her Lord. Can you see how extraordinary that is? It's an incredible blessing. It's an incredible thing to be able to realise. And it speaks of the amazing thing that's happened to Mary. Well, what about this pregnancy? Hey, did you know what? Um, before the child's born and before ultrasounds, can you know the pregnancy, of the, uh, the, pregnancy the, uh, the sex of the baby? Let's just, just have a think about that for a second. Can you? Unless you do all sorts of weird things. Carrie, can you know? Do you know? She kept, my wife, Carolyn's a midwife. Do you know? <laughs> There's old wives' tales. I love, the, I love the whole concept of old wives' tales. Here's the, here's the thing. What they do is they say, I can work out with a ring or something. I can work out what the sex of the baby is, right? Now, here's the, how, how many choices are there? <laughs> no, I'm deadly serious. How many choices are there? Right. Now, here's the thing. Oh, I've worked it out. Now, <laughs> they're either right or they're... Okay. And when they're right, what do we do? Oh, I have a woman who knew what the sex of my... <laughs> And when they're wrong, you just go, oh, yeah. <laughs> like it's, it's, anyway, you can't lose, basically. <laughs> no. um, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. She's prophetically told the sex of her baby. You can't know. What if she had a girl? That would have been different history, wouldn't it? But here's the thing. I just want you to notice these little bits in the text. She's told the sex of her baby. It happens that the sex of her baby is pretty irrelevant because the next piece of the information is extraordinary. How will a virgin fall pregnant? I mean, that's Mary's question. Um, I know this is a brilliant revelation and everything, but uh, how will this happen? And it says here that the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Uh, these, these words overshadow you. It's the same for the cloud that came over the mountain on the mountain of transfiguration. 
When Jesus is standing on the mountain and his glory is revealed, it says a a cloud came over the mountain. It's that same word that says the Lord will overshadow you. There's a beauty and a gentleness to it, which I think is really worth us hearing. So the child that she has will be conceived by the Holy Spirit. And we need to honour Joseph at this point, don't we? We need to honour Joseph, man who is pledged to be married to her, who finds out that she's pregnant and trusts God enough to say, I'm with you, babe. I just want to say I think that's awesome and I love him to bits. And yes, an angel appeared to him and helped him out, but to hang around is fantastic. What about Mary's response? I think it's fantastic that Mary had a question. Uh, You know, she goes, uh, verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked, since I'm a virgin? I love it. It's not just, oh, yes, I'm the most wonderful woman who's ever lived and you've just told me I'm going to be pregnant with uh, the Son of God. Oh, cool, I'm I'm down with that. No problems. (laughs) I love that the Bible tells us, Mary says, great, how's that going to happen? Anyone got any tips? God, you want to tell me some more information? I'm, I'm okay, but you could tell me. So I like that she had questions. I love the way that she responds And uh, it's quite extraordinary. Have a look with me at verse 38. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. I'm quite literally God at your disposal. I choose to make my body available to you. It's incredible vulnerability in that, I think. And there's Mary saying, I'm the Lord's servant. May it be as you said. I love it. Love her response. And and she sings an awesome song of praise, which we'll get to a little bit later as well. So that's what we learn about Mary. Do you know what? It isn't only about Mary in this passage. What do we learn about Jesus in this passage? And it's worth saying the unborn Jesus. All that's spoken here is what we call prophecy, announcing in advance what God will do. So let's, let's have a look and see what we learn about Jesus. What about his life and location? Well, yeah, he'll be a boy... That's pretty cool. Jesus will be a boy. Um, he's spoken about before his birth. Now, I just, I just want to notice this. Um, uh, you know, when uh, Will and Kate got pregnant, right, um, we speak about that stuff because the son is going to be a king. Generally, other than amongst your friends and family, it's not really newsworthy. Yeah? One or two children get born each year. Yeah? We'll only talk in advance at a news level about a few of them, won't we? So it's worth saying here that Jesus was spoken about by a whole stack before his birth. Something about him is already going to be extraordinary. In fact, have a look at this. These are the things that we learn about Jesus from this passage here. Uh, We learn that he will be great. Uh, where is that? It's back here. Uh, verse, 30, uh, verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. So we're listening before we read the bit from Samuel and we're going, he'll be given the throne of David. What's that? It's like somebody's favourite rocking chair or something, you know? Don't touch it, that's that's grandma's chair. That's not that at all. 
He will be the one who fulfills the promise that was made to David. One day, one of your descendants will rule on your throne forever. Who's Jesus going to be? One who rules on David's throne forever. He's the promise fulfiller. He's the king who was to come. That's pretty exciting. Uh, So he'll be a king after David. He'll be a king forever and in a kingdom that will never end. Why can't I be a king forever? Sorry? Because I'll die. Thank you very much. Spot on. Spot on, Lane. That's exactly what I was going for. Never mind that I'm not related to the British monarchy. But I'm unlikely to be a king forever because I'm going to die. How can you be a king forever? You see, even here, we've got the expectation that Jesus will die but live forever. That's pretty awesome. Just here, hidden in this passage here, as God is speaking to Mary. Look at the names that Jesus gets. He'll be called Jesus, which means God saves. He'll be called the Son of God, which means that he's the Son of... Uh, Look at that. You guys are catching on. That's really good. Uh, now, Now, why is that important? He's not just a good bloke. Yeah? He's God amongst us. Uh, Elsa will find him called Emmanuel, God with us. He's the son of God and he's called Elizabeth's Lord before he's born. Something extraordinary is about to happen. This unborn child is going to be amazing. So what do we learn about God the Father? We've seen Mary, we've seen Jesus. Do we learn anything about God the Father uh, in this passage here? Uh, Very briefly, uh, we see his involvement. Firstly, he sends an angel. I think that's pretty cool. God could have sent Mary an email, of course, and she would have just seen it on her... No. God chooses to pass this message on in this beautiful way by sending an angel. Uh, It's not in Jerusalem. I think we just have to note that. God's centre point of God's plan doesn't happen in Jerusalem. It's very encouraging if you live in, say, Oran Park, uh, that you're not too far away from God's plan. Uh, I, I love this turn of phrase. This child who's to be born is an act of creation, not procreation. An act of creation, not procreation. All right? The Greeks and Romans had... Oh, we just had a kid walk in. Had gods have sex with humans. That existed in their thought world, right? Divinities having relations with human beings. That is not what is happening here. We've got to mark that. That's beautiful. It's like God taking the soil in the Garden of Eden and making a human being from it. It's an act of creation, not an act of procreation. Does that make sense? Beautiful. Absolutely amazing. Um, and uh, God sends his Holy Spirit uh, into uh, John and Elizabeth. Did you see that cool bit in the, the thing? Uh, Mary rocks up and uh, there's Elizabeth and she's excited and she says, the, the baby leapt in my womb when you turned up. So John the Baptist, the one who comes to prepare the way for the Lord, is already doing cartwheels inside mum because Jesus has turned up. You know, it's, I love it. Fantastic. Probably not very comfortable for mum. Um, <laughs> So I want you to see, what else do we learn about God the Father in this account? We learn that God is a promise-keeping God. There was an extraordinary gap from Abraham to David, an extraordinary gap from David to Jesus, about a thousand years. 
God, have you kept your promise yet? I only told you yesterday. Oh, well, we've now been waiting five years, God. Have you kept your promise? A thousand years later, God kept his promise to David. Does it mean that we need to be people of patience? Think so. Does it mean that if God delays, that he's forgotten? It does not mean that. Uh, the plan involves a woman, which is wonderful. Um, it involves a, so- a socially awkward f- faith. Mary has to say, oh, yeah, yep, child in me is from God. Joseph has to say, yeah, the child in her is from God. And both of them have to put up with a village which would say, either you guys slept together and you're trying to cover it up, or somebody slept with Mary and that wasn't okay. You just, you've got to think practically, right? So God says, I've got a brilliant plan how to bring Jesus into the world. And I just want you to note, it's socially awkward. Very awkward. But I think God deals beautifully and gently with Mary in the process. What do we learn about God's character? He's faithful. God is faithful. Uh, Verse 37 says, for no word from God will ever fail. God is faithful. Um, He's mindful of his people. He notices faithfulness. He's full of mercy and he's the champion of the weak. That's how Mary's song finishes. He's the champion of the weak. That's our God. How beautiful is that? So what's the appeal of Mary? Why do we like Mary? Why is Mary so popular? I've got four suggestions as to why I think uh, she's very popular. First one is that she seems very approachable. She's a human being. That's good. Very approachable. Uh, She's understanding. If she's a human being like us, maybe she can understand us and, 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 and help us. She's motherly. Um, I, I love cuddling my son when he's hurt and my daughter when she's hurt. But sometimes it's oh, just, you've got to go to mum. Not, not know what I'm telling them. But they feel, I just need a hug from mum. And there's something about that that's different. So I think when we think of Mary, we think motherly, compassionate, gentle. That's a good thing. And, and for a lot of people, she ends up being a model. Where you go, I love how she responded. Maybe we should look to her. Well, I want to suggest to you, don't some of those benefits sound familiar? Don't they sound familiar? What about approachable? Have a listen to this. In Hebrews 10, it says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Jesus makes God approachable. How about understanding? How about understanding? Hebrews 4 says this, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. Listen to this. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet did not sin. Jesus understands us. What about motherly? How's that going to work out? 
Well, I think the heart of the motherly one is compassionate. I want to know care. Have a listen to this. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Again, speaking of Jesus, we can come to God the Father through Jesus to find mercy, grace, comfort in our time of need. How about a model? I think it's good to look to Mary and to say she lived a faithful life. What about this? Well, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon and Peter, and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll send you out to fish for people. At once they left their nets and followed him. Do you know what Paul says? He says, follow me as I follow Jesus. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Best model you can find? Sunday school answer is? Well done. The Bible. (laughs) Thank you, Matthew. And if you're really advanced, the answer is the Holy Spirit. Um, So what does Jesus tell us about Mary? What does Jesus, her son, tell us about Mary? I, I find this verse fascinating. Have a listen to this. As Jesus was saying these things, we're in Luke 11. As Jesus was saying these things, a woman in the crowd called out. I reckon there were lots of people calling out lots of things to Jesus. But this is pretty cool. A woman in the crowd called out, Blessed is the mother who gave you birth and nursed you. I don't know how she said it, but, you know, she's calling out in the crowd, isn't she? You know? I just want to get this... Anyway, maybe she said it in a really lovely way, but I I just can't help but hearing it like that. Anyway, so she calls out, Blessed is your mother who gave you birth and nursed you. Wow. And he replied... Oh, there you are. He replied, Blessed rather are those who hear the word of God and obey it. Pretty extraordinary, isn't it? Yes, my mum's blessed. She's awesome. I love her. I'm amazed at her faithfulness. But if you want to talk about who's blessed, who's blessed are those who hear the word of God and do it. And then this, uh, this final bit here, I think this is one of the most beautiful things. Jesus hanging on the cross. He's dying. Not only is he extending forgiveness to those who've crucified him, but he says this. Near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to her, Woman, here is your son. And he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. In that day and age, children had to provide for parents in their retirement. Jesus is dying. His final act is to care for his mum. I think it's absolutely beautiful. So are there any special lessons uh, for women here when we look at Mary? Boys, you can look on. They're for us as well. But we'll talk about just to women, okay? First thing... Be faithful. Uh, so, we're, so we're clear. The Son of God's already been born and uh, you're not a candidate anymore. So don't worry, that's, no, that's not going to happen. All right? But, but here's the thing. God notices faithfulness. He notices it. That's what I get from this story of Mary. He saw faithfulness in a 13-year-old girl in Tasmania. Be faithful. Be ready to obey. I am the Lord's servant. May it be as you have said. 
extraordinary openness and willingness to offer herself to God's service. Be ready to praise. Mary had this song on her heart that just overflowed. And you know, she's so knowledgeable about God, we didn't spend much time looking at Mary's song. But if you do, go read it. Have a look at how knowledgeable she is about the history of Israel. She's praising God for his character and for what he's done and his promise keeping. Ladies, know your Bibles and feed that into your praise of God. (coughs) Secondly, uh, know Jesus. Know Jesus. Know his benefits. He's approachable. He's understanding. He's merciful. He'll be with you. Go to him. Go to him. What do we know about God and how should it apply for, uh, for us? Well, ladies, I want to say, seek his favour. Seek the favour of God. It says to Mary, you have found favour with God. I would love for every woman here to find favour with God, in whatever form that takes, because you're passionately seeking it. <laughs> Take comfort in the keeping of his word. What do we say about Mary? I think she's the most extraordinary, ordinary woman in history. The most extraordinary, ordinary woman in history. She's ordinary because she's just like us. And she's extraordinary because she bore the unique Son of God. I think she's truly amazing. The end of her song, she says this, God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Hey, we're in a Luke series. We've been looking at Mary today. Mary's song is, wow, God, you're going to do something extraordinary. And it causes us to ask the question, what will this king do? What will this king who's going to be born, what will he do? And I hope you stay with us as Matthew and I continue to unpack Luke's gospel and we see what will this king do? Let's let Mary have the last word. Jesus is at the uh, the wedding in Cana in Galilee. Do you remember this? And uh, mum comes up, says, uh, "Son, they've run out of wine. They've run out of wine." And uh, it says, "You know, uh, <laughs> I just love it." They're all standing around. They've run out of wine. This is what his mum says. Listen to this. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Do whatever he tells you. Now, I reckon if Mary could have a final word today to us, it would be, do whatever her great son tells us to do. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Mary and her extraordinary availability to you and your plan. I pray, Father, that we may not (laughs) neglect approaching you through the wonderful work of your son, Jesus. I pray, Father, we might know compassion and comfort, that we might find you approachable and understanding. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we will rejoice in Mary's great son. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.